This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Through dangers untold and hardships unnumbered, I have fought my way here to the Goblin City. Welcome to the Luminaries with David Odyssey. This time it's one of my all-time favorite interviews with the dream weaver and pop slut unicorn Dexter Driscoll. We're talking about destiny, astrology, and pop music. But first, some reflections on Labyrinth and Batman, Mask of the Phantasm. Thank you for listening. Okay, first of all, I just want to state that I realized, like, who I am last night because um, I was walking home in black overalls. I was, like, scouring the streets for good pieces of cardboard to use for collages. And I was, like, asking myself serious questions about who I am as an artist. And it occurred to me that I am, at this moment in life, I am the mom from The Princess Diaries, which I think is, like, my first exposure to... Um, Hollywood's version of bohemianism which is like a semi-chic spinster in overalls like painting things who has no money Um, of course I would love to be Demi Moore in Ghost which is the kind of high grade version of that uh, which is like she's a sculptor she has a cool haircut She has a hot husband who works in finance. They live, like, walking distance from Joe's pub. Like, let's make it all work. (sighs) Ghost is an incredible movie. Um, Oh, my God. So I've just been, like, really, really going through it. Um, I think I'm feeling better, but the last, I think, like, let's call it week five and week six of post-COVID fatigue comma volume two um has just like gotten deeper and deeper and sometimes i don't know what's like covid and what's my own no sometimes i don't know like where the fatigue starts um and when my own like desire for uh reclusivity and and uh social sabotage takes over and You know, I think as I've talked about extensively, what's been great or what's been needed this year is like the retreat has I've needed this retreat to really like properly grieve or process or heal. And in my living room in Bushwick with no windows, I've kind of recreated my bedroom when I was 11, which is like. This is just where I can go and like watch Batman movies and be safe and like let myself be a a kid again and not have to like be out in the world. But, you know, the stakes are getting a little high and I am like really getting scared now that like I have gone somewhere from which there is no coming back. And uh, yesterday I was with 
dear friend and uh, two-time previous guest of the show, Tommy O'Malley. And Tommy said to me, what do you want? And I was just kind of like stunned. I was like, what? And he just said, like, just ask yourself, like, what do you want? And it really threw me because that's just not something that's ever been considered and I'm not trying to sound like I'm so selfless and that I have like five kids I'm trying to feed or something and like I just never have time for me or whatever because apparently I have plenty like abundant time for me these days and it's still not enough if you ask me um but just in terms of not like what do I think I'm supposed to want or what do I want in order to keep me like in some position that I think I'm supposed to be in just what do you want and when I was walking home in my overalls um I had this interesting moment where I uh, because you know more so than like whatever 30 year old composite David is like 11 year old David has been very present and for good as I've described earlier which is like I get to go into my like dream world and I get to write my fantasy novel and I get to like fulfill that side of me and like give that side of me what he wants but also like there's a lot of dark thoughts from that time and like I there's a lot of thoughts of self-harm that come from that time that that take over now and I don't I don't even know if they're those come from from me now or from me then and anyways I was walking home and I just kind of like asked seventh grade David I was just like what do you want and I got it clear as day he said I want to be left alone (sighs) which like I'm I want to hold space for that which is basically like as a kid I felt so like herded and I felt so um, hyper aware of managing other people's uh, hyper reactivity and um, and of just being like in this state of hyper exposure and like being watched um, just because there was like all this grief and there was all this death and like I just really wanted to be left alone and when I heard that I was like you know that is kind of amazing because like I I really did believe and I kind of still believe like I really was like let me just go to my room you adults can have your own drama literally leave me with my action figures and my Buffy DVDs and like we are good to go until the end of time and I this week rewatched the greatest film of all time, which I had actually never seen until this year, which my roommate Harry Hansen slash Amber Alert showed me and has since changed my life. Labyrinth. And it like it hit me in a different way this time because it Jennifer Connolly, who deserves another retroactive Oscar for it, uh Jennifer Connelly's character like is really bound to this this world of her imagination and this world that she escapes to and like she can't really cope with the changes that have happened in her life outside of it and 
at the end of the movie, she has this like really intense face off with David Bowie, uh, who's the Goblin King, who's also I, I can't even get into it, but. You know, he's the ruler of this like fantasy hell world that she's been sucked into. And he says, everything you wanted, I have done. You asked that the child be taken. I took him. You cowered before me. I was frightening. I've reordered time. I've turned the world upside down and I've done it all for you. I'm exhausted from living up to your expectations of me. Isn't that generous? So like, I've just been working on my like fantasy novel, which uh, I'm starting to have questions about because it's really private. I can't share it with anyone until it's ready. We don't know what that means. And it, it does involve me kind of uh, leaving this world behind and going into my own world, which is like all I've ever wanted in some ways, but in other ways, I don't know. I'm really, I'm just scared that, Yes, this is me making art, but it's also me making art as a way to, like, check out and and stay isolated. And I'm scared that I, I just don't know what the boundary is between, like, this is something I want to do and this is my way of coping or this used to be my way of coping when I was 11, but maybe it's not called for now. And I, I don't know if I'm supposed to let all this go and just like do art that involves like collaboration and um, that isn't so tied to this idea I've always had of myself as someone who would like write comic books and superhero movies and all that. I don't What if that's not relevant anymore? And what do you do with a younger self who says, I just want to be alone because I do respect that. And like, I do think that's a part of me and that's always going to be a part of my, the way I cope. But what, like, what about what happens beyond coping? Like is life just coping? Um, And I was thinking of, you know, the other greatest you know not probably one of for me like top five best movies ever made which is actually on netflix now batman mask of the phantasm it's like a cool 80 minutes so i highly just i just say get on in there and let me just tell you something right now first of all when i saw i ran into dana delaney at a cola scola show at joe's pub and I, unlike the other faggots there who wanted to talk about desperate housewives i said let me just tell you something right now dana you were incredible in Batman Mask of the Phantasm. And she was quite pleased. Okay. So Batman Mask of the Phantasm is essentially like, so Batman falls in love. And it's not like a scandalous, like, torrid thing. It's like the real deal. And he's like, oh, why am I Batman anymore? And he has this moment where he's like looking at his parents' picture and he's like, I'm sorry. I know that I like made a vow to you, but like I didn't count on being happy. And I mean, the movie takes you through like a whole roller coaster of emotions. Um, 
But I don't know. I just always think about it because I always wonder about like, what is it that like we, what would like art and expression look like if it weren't just a means of coping? And so I'm just trying to figure out how to like make peace and like be able to, I need it to cope, but I also can't keep myself in like a benighted place just to make it that's kind of the paradox and like it's more severe for batman but you know labyrinth comes to this really beautiful place at the end where after jennifer connelly kind of makes peace and like starts to grow up and move on um the creature's kind of come to her in a vision and she just says you know and they say like we'll always be here should you need us and she says i need you hoggle i don't know why but every now and again for no reason at all i need you all of you so that gave me hope and that just made me think like maybe maybe there's a way to find balance i just it's i'm really like I want to make sure that whatever I'm working on is not a replacement for like a happy life and like relationships and like being alive and present. Like I don't want, I don't ever want anything I'm writing to become like my mistress. So that's just what I'm working on. I not working on what I'm thinking about and it's not really resolved. Um, But I just wanted to share it with you. And I just want to say that this is one of my all-time favorite interviews with Dexter. Dexter is a true ancient one. They will be in New York until the fall of civilization. And if you like pop music or astrology, like, truly pour yourself a hot bath because this one goes like a mile a minute. Um, And they really inspired me. And I guess I just want to say, like, now is the time. And... We all have to make our dreams come true. And then as we're making our dreams come true, we can come to this podcast and disentangle the complications of those dreams as they relate to trauma coping. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You're a pop star. You are, uh, uh, you are like, and even getting to just catch up again and listen to your album and then watching the alone video, I was like, fuck, like she is that girl we all knew she was. And it's just like, it's so incarnate and it's so manifest and it's so exciting. Um, And I want to be talking to you about that and about, I guess where I want to start is like, what was your kind of awakening into this vocabulary and into this world and into this type of music and into this type of performance um, that what was the awakening of realizing like, Oh, I'm not just like a consumer of this, but like I need to be 
among, I need to be in this pantheon. Like I need to express myself in this, in this way. And I know there could be a lot of awakenings. Yeah. So just, you know, whatever you, whatever you think. I, so I've always loved pop music. Like, you know, every other queer, but, or most other queers, but I, I remember being really excited. Like I've always just had an ear for music. I, I knew like the full, my first cassette was Waterfalls by TLC. And wow. so I still have it. It's like one of my prized possessions. And like, I remember being three years old in my parents' Ford Escort and just like doing the full left eye rap and like singing along and like knowing like, you know, all of like the different like intonations that Chili has and like being so excited. And then Britney happened, but, um, Actually, can we, yeah, I'd love to actually speak about that because <laughs> Britney happening for me was a viscerally a turning point. Absolutely. Like body and soul. It was like, if you think about moments of coming into consciousness and of downloading, it was like, a, it was a point of no return for me. And I'd love to know like, how old were you? What was going on? Yeah, there is a, a definite before and after, right? So Yes. Like, so I, I was born in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Um, but I lived in Charlestown kind of like, like the town, like that Ben Affleck movie years ago. Um, and and all that. So that was when I was going to, you know, Boston schools. It was very, lots of hip hop. Um, and of course TLC, I was like, Selena died. My world ended. Um, and then, we moved to Plymouth, Massachusetts. And with how old were you? I was, I guess I was either five or six, somewhere around there. Okay. Um, and within a year, um, Baby One More Time came out. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was like, okay, you know, a comet just hit the earth. Stop the fucking car. Exactly. <laughs> like, this is, this is it. I, I had like, I, like I, I don't even need to express how important this moment in life was because we're on the same wavelength. Um, yeah. But I am my first concert. I remember this because my mom got lawn tickets because so there's this, you know how radio stations have festivals. Yes, which will never make sense. Which to will me. never make sense. But it was like before Live Nation um, or Clear Channel, whichever it was at the time, took over each radio station had their own relationships with the artists so they could book whoever they wanted for these festivals. And like, of course there's some overlap, but it was still very regional at the time. So my first concert was this festival show. I had a lawn ticket with my family and Brittany was doing the big one more time promo tour. Okay. So I mean, I mean, so like I saw baby Brit all covered up doing like baby one more time and sometimes and like that it's been downhill since there i'm just kidding uh, since then. but but yeah no it was like this incredible show it was britney and sync um i saw elton john and rod stewart and aerosmith um six pence and on the richer i mean i'm laughing so hard because my first concert was also a houston regional radio station run festival no. called Jingle Jams. And who was the headliner? Destiny's Child. No. So I'm completely with you. 
I am completely with you every step. Oh my God. I'm so jealous. Literally Destiny's Child is one of the few acts that like I'm dying that I haven't seen. Uh, I know. I know. Then there talk about important, but yeah. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, no. Um, but yeah, so I saw Britney and that concert, I, I literally saw the concert and I'm five or six years old and I'm like, okay, well, I know that I have to be doing art. Like that's just the end of it. Mm. Um, and so the next turning point for me was when I saw it, um, I saw Madonna's Confessions tour. And- okay. So I just want to give our, uh, our <laughs> heterosexual and or Gen Z listeners uh, just a little catch up. <laughs> During the George Bush years, uh, there was not a lot for gay people. And there were a few, very few, like less than a handful of touchstones. And one of which was when Madonna released her 2005 album, Confessions on a Dance Floor, every person with any queer inclination, every possible gay man or permutation thereof on the planet, Mm -hmm. even in space, they're on a chromosomal level woke up in the same way when Bette Midler was in Hello Dolly, there were gay people in Indonesia buying tickets to come see her. Like something just happened with confessions. The confessions tour is talk about it's all been downhill since. I mean, Uh, it is quite literally. I'm, and I have to say, I'm like, I, I am, I have spent all of my money in my life on seeing performers um, and traveling. And I like of all of the people that I've been lucky enough to see the confessions tour is the best show I have ever seen. It will Fuck. never be topped. Um, <laughs> and I remember cause I was think I was like 14, 13 or 14. And it was like, just electricity in my body and I was like this is this is just I have never seen this kind of power um and and (laughs) the beauty and the grace and also it's like it's Madonna's very butch uh yeah and so I think that's part of why gay men like her so much because there's a lot of like gender storyline there but this has like I've always connected with this the most. And of course I stand all of the things that she does. Well, not all the things, but you know what I mean? I love all the things. And like, this is, there's this such a softness to certain parts of it where it's just, it's, oh my God, it's so romantic. It's so, it was honestly just like a healing experience. So I saw before and I was like, okay, so up until that point, I was like, well, what's the avenue? I could do a musical theater moment. I could do, I don't know, maybe I'm an actor. Maybe I'm whatever. Maybe I'm a classical singer. And then I saw that and I was like, pop music is it. That's the only way that I can I can survive in this world. Um, and so I've been um, just like watching from the sidelines um, and observing and trying to understand what I had to contribute. Um, Mm. And yeah. And then I kind of dove in. You know, I want to talk about um, this is so not even because I'm bringing up an example about Annie Lennox Mm -hmm. Um, and Annie Lennox, like 
may not even be pop. She's considered like pop slash soul slash a million other things because she's indescribable. But, you know, the song A Whiter Shade of Pale. Mm -hmm. um, No, no, no. Not A Whiter Shade of Pale. No More I Love You. So No More I Love You was originally like a rock song that kind of tanked and wasn't that big. And she revived it and made it into like a seminal classic. And there's this incredible quote from her that I read this year where she's like, that song was important. That song needs to be in the popular consciousness. And I'm the one who can like translate it. And, you know, when I hear you talking about pop, I'm like, you know, there is just something that pop music can do that it cuts to a certain nerve that I think no other music can cut to. And like it, it gets derided because it's like seen as not subtle or complex, but it really like, if you want to get taken there, like right fucking now, it will do that. You know? I think it's very kind of like Mary Poppins, a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. Like, you know, there's just like I was saying earlier, it's like with the great pop artists, you can engage either on a casual, like this is a great hooky song level, or you can be bawling your eyes out dancing, you know, um, yes. and the entire gamut in between. So yeah, it's definitely, um, wait, what was the question? There was no question. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> uh, so anyways, yeah, I, I just love, did you see Robin last yes, year? Yes, I saw her in DC. It was, oh, I, I wish I saw Madison Square Garden, but I, I saw it as, um, um, actually it was a smaller venue, so it might've been cooler. Um, that for me more. was like, no, that was it. kind of like something I'll never forget for as long as I live. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, the, the integrity that Robin brings to her work is just like next level. Um, yeah, exactly. And it's never, ever, um, it's never, you can tell she's never trying to dumb something down. No. And that's kind of like the fun with her because sometimes some of the songs on body talk, you're like, these lyrics are outrageous Mm -hmm. and she could only get away with them in pop, but she fucking means them. And you're like, Oh wow. So like, take me away then. If this is like catchy, the song is called Fembot and you mean every word you're saying. And it's like, it's the same It's the thing where she's, never dumbing stuff down but she's also not scared to be dumb so Mm. if she's being dumb it's because she wants to be dumb not because she like thinks that you know the audience needs to hear a certain something it's like she has what she has to say and she's gonna that's so perfect because if you think about abba like abba is the greatest uh, (sighs) i know abba is everything abba is forever and abba is like when Annie Freed is like Scorpio, when she is digging into her pain, you feel it. And those lyrics are real, but they're so simple. Right. And they're so um, outrageous. And that's like where the, that this kind of star is born, you know, the sparkle happens. Right. Which of course they hung up as one of the few times that Abba gave a sample away or <laughs> gave granted permission. Um, and also, have you heard Madonna's cover of Like an Angel Passing Through My Room? The, no. the ABBA song. So it was like, no. it's, um, it was never officially released, but it's everywhere um, on YouTube. And it's, um, 
it was from Ray of Light and it's like literally bedtime music. I just like, if I can't get to sleep, I literally put it on like three times in a row and then I'm good. It's fabulous. Okay. I will. I'm on the case. Thank you so much. Um, I think Benny and Bjorn might be an Aries, an Aries Taurus actually. Oh really? Interesting. Yeah. Um, because they've been very good with money over the years. Like unbelievable. Oh God. Yeah. No, they have like more than any human being could ever be expected to be besides Andrew Lloyd Webber. Totally. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I keep diverging. I just feel like I'm speaking with a master and I just, I'm, I'm so enjoying myself. I don't have a great time. This is fun. So, okay. So when did you start like going solo, putting Dexter Driscoll out? Yeah. Um, so it's actually, it's been really, it was really terrifying for a few reasons. Um, I, a lot of it has to do with like, well, first of all, I, when I first moved to New York, I was, you know, like most queer people that are moving to New York are, are what was, you know, escaping something. Right. Yes. Um, and I didn't know if I wanted to write music. I wa- I knew I wanted to perform, but I wasn't tied to writing anything. Um, but also if you're like, who, like I was this little like twink in New York city and like, no one wants to, no one, like no one's going to give someone a career and just be like, Oh, we want, we found the one, you know, especially not back mm-hmm. then. Um, and and what year was this, man? This was twenty eleven. Oh wow! So you were very young. I moved here when I was nineteen. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um. So I. So on the level, I was like, I didn't know what I wanted to create and how I wanted to create it, and that was one thing. And then on another level, I was completely, and I'm still relearning how to use my voice um physically Mm. technically because i um in high school i had like this debilitating acne and Mm. i was on accutane and i literally lost my voice my singing voice for like three years so i was singing in choirs i was singing everywhere i was doing like national or not national i mean um regional competitions and things and you know lead in musicals and then I couldn't sing. Um, I'm so sorry. That's so scary. It was, it was really scary. Yeah. And it was like in tandem with just like lots of different things that were going on. And it was just like, wow. I was like, I, there's not like, that was what I love to do. And it was just taken from me. So. I also did Accutane. I did two rounds of it. Oh yeah. It's brutal. But it's fucked up. It works. Totally fucked up. (laughs) Yes, it does. (laughs) At what cost? But yeah. yes, and I don't actually think it should be legal. Like it's 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 dark magic. Like obviously it works, but sometimes I'm like, is this like okay? I know it's pretty it's pretty heavy duty. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> like I've never gotten cosmetic surgery, but like Accutane may be more intense than I, cosmetic. It surgery. literally changes your whole body. Like it's it's crazy. Um, yes, but. Um, so, so when, so when you came to New York, you were basically like, your voice had been kind of like, my voice, taken. Uh, I have like, 
I have no idea how I'm going to start to be able to sing again, but I want to perform. I want to make music. I want to do things. Um, and so I was, I started slowly taking voice lessons again. Um, and then I, you know, after a while I was like, it was a few years in and I'm like, well, clearly I'm not going to like, people don't get discovered or at least I don't get discovered. So I have to discover myself, you know, I have to, what, what do I have to offer? What do I have to give? And Fuck. so that was um, kind of the start of it. And so I had to make the decision to start writing music, which sounds, it's like, it's so, it's so weird because it sounds on one level so casual, but it's also just like so heart wrenching and deep. Um, so it's so heart wrenching and deep because you're, you're like signing up for pain kind of. Yeah. And I guess it's like, um, I, it, there, and I think, I don't know if there's actually, I believe there's correlations between like, you know, physical things and spiritual things. Not that I, you're talking to the world's number one, psychosomatic hypochondriac please go all the way on and i will like i will like to add that i do definitely believe in in modern medicine um but (laughs) i do believe in you know um (laughs) the the power of the mind and the body and it was like so i literally had to rebuild my voice from Mm. both a physical and spiritual place where i'm like how do i you know take down the I in a way it's like the the shields that I've put up so that people can't hear me like physically they can't hear me sing because my voice doesn't work and I've put up armor so that I don't have to you know actually express myself to the world um through writing you know um so it's been like a really And of course, I think it's very tied to queerness and, you know, living in the world that we live in. I mean, I haven't seen that documentary on gay voice, but I know it exists and I hear that it's great. Um, It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's like tied to gender, it's tied to all of the things. So I, it's, it's weird because it's gradual, but like there's things that are working every day, but then there's just downloads. Like one day I just wrote my first song and it was fantasy, which became the first song on the album. Mm. And I was, I was a dog walker at the time. And so I was walking a dog, um, this little puppy in Washington Heights. And the song just came into my head and it was like, Oh, Mm. Oh. And it literally was like a download. And I was like, okay, well, I have a song, so that's cool. Um, and is isn't it crazy how? Because I have downloads too, and when you have a download, you're like, okay, that's kind of it, and this is like, you know, you feel like things are kind of falling into place, and you feel like you're like where you're supposed to be, and you're receiving what you're supposed to receive, and then the next day, I can really be like why am I doing this? This is never going to happen. This is a delusion. This is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. 
And it's so, um, it's just crazy, like, signing up for that ride, you know? Totally. And it's, like, I I really believe all the people that are, like, oh, you just have to, like, you know, write a song every day. You need to, like, write three pages of your manuscript every day. And I'm, like, if that works for them, I'm very happy for them. But for me, it's, like, I just kind of let myself dream. And then, like, every once in a while, I get something huge. And I'm, like, oh, that's the one. There we go. Thank you. You know? So, um, so from there I sat on that song for probably a year and a half. Cause I'm like, I don't know how to produce music. I don't know who to reach out to. I'm also terrified. Um, and then I was like, well, what are you going to like get over it? You know, deal with it. So yeah, I just kind of pushed myself into the fire and, um, songs started appearing to me. And um, I just literally made an an appointment with an audio engineer and was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I need to make it it happen. And by some way of Taurus magic, I I worked it out. I mean, there's so much I want to say there about Taurus magic. You know, when I spoke with Taurus, Justin Vivian Bond, they said to me, because I expressed a lot, I, I said to them like, I just expressed a lot of what I've been through with code switching and how I don't really know my own voice. And they were like, just take voice lessons. Like Tauruses, our power is in our throats. You need to take voice lessons. Mm. And I was like, but I don't even think I'm a singer. And they were like, who cares? And I actually this year have started taking voice lessons. And it's so, that is such a scary process. And like, uh, it's, it's crazy that you had to push yourself through that because it's so... Yeah, you discover all these layers of code switching that you've done and you also like it, it puts you in a really vulnerable position. And I've met you and and know you where you're in this very advanced state where I think you're like very able to cogently and honestly express yourself. And I think that your album like really is in your voice. Um so I guess. I'm like looking for even advice there about how you, especially in terms of making your own dream come true, kind of on your own or with support, obviously from your like chosen family. How do you like, I guess I'd like to know about times where you maybe had to really push through a lot of doubt or um, fear or insecurity, because that's just something I admire about you. Thank you. Um, I think, uh, well, I'll say that I'm really, really proud of my first album and I Mm. think listening to it now, I can still hear how, how much more there is in my voice. Like, I think that it's just going to be a a process till I die. Um, Mm. but I think think to get through the hard times and push yourself through it and everything in a way I'm at a unique advantage I think because of my zero degrees Libra rising because literally all of my houses are completely separated there's no overlap of signs in between them I think Mm. I am better at compartmentalizing than most people Mm. I set an appointment and I'm like okay well I set it so I have to show up and do it it's like there's, I, I'm really good at, um, for often to my own detriment, 
I'm very good at removing my emotional attachment um, to get myself through trauma. <laughs> so sometimes the trauma is worth it. Like making music, uh, yeah. birth, creating something, birthing something. Uh, and sometimes, oftentimes it's not. But I think it really is exposure therapy. It's really willingness to sound like an idiot and an asshole and um and look at your be able to see your warts and see all the things that you hate about yourself until you don't hate them anymore yeah i mean i guess and this to me is very sagittarian that i've always seen you know in you is like you are just always willing to put shit out and like put it out, perform, 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 be out, be out, be out. And like, I don't think I have that yet. And because I, I still feel like what I perceive as rejection or, uh, you know, a stumble in the road, I just like really go down with it. Yeah. Uh, and I like relive all that trauma. And yeah, I, I, I do think, and I hate this term, but it does seem like you have grown and, I know you probably earned it the hard way, like a thick skin or like um, you really can stay the course in a way that I think like is earned. It's not like just an innate quality. Yeah, I think I've, um, well, I really pushed myself to um, get out of my comfort zone from a very young age, just because, you know, like my childhood was fine, but I was very isolated. So I always had yeah. to figure it out for myself. Like my family would eat dinner together, but we would be in separate rooms the rest of the time. And I had some good friends growing up and some that I'm still in touch with, but I knew that I was othered. I knew that I wasn't going to, I, I, I never felt part of a tribe in a way. Mm. So because I never felt fully part of a tribe, even within um, my own family to an extent, it was easier to um, try different things and go against the grain because I was like, well, if, you, if you're part of a tribe, the risks of going against the grain are huge. Um, you know, you'll easily lose love. That's huge. Mm. That's there's huge consequences if you go against the grain and you're part of a tribe. But I think I recognized early on um, that it was up to me. So uh, yeah. So I, like I, I pushed myself. I've um, I've like, yeah, I, I, I think I'm trying to think of, when that all kind of started. Like I remember just being in high school and being like, okay, well, like there are some good friends, but I don't, these people aren't my chosen family around me. If they're like, and there are some exceptions and they know who they are, but, um, but yeah, but there was never, there was never a tribe who was going to support me if I did the right things. I'll put it that way. So, so doing the wrong things has never felt wrong. 
So, um, like when I was, when I lost my voice, I couldn't audition cause I was going to go try and get into some schools and, um, you know, really hone my, my singing skills. Um, but I couldn't sing at all. And so I was like, well, what am I going to do? And I was like, well, I've always wanted to travel the world. So like, and I know I don't have money behind me to do that. So I was like, okay, well, I'll just work three jobs and made it work, you know? So like every it's, it's weird because it's like, it's, it is a, it's a superpower in a way, but it's not, it's like, there's, there's light and dark that comes with it. <laughs> yeah. That, well, you know, what you were just saying actually made me think a lot of Madonna because Madonna's really kind of always been on her own, but Madonna's really been able to take risks, reinvent herself, obviously. And, and, you know, the other thing it made me think of because I came to New York when I was 24. Mm-hmm. Um, so I came a little later, but there's something about when you're single and when you're like exploring different, different scenes and tribes and trying to find your place. I do feel like I've experienced many New Yorks mm-hmm. and, and I, you seem to me like someone who probably has too. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Which I think is part of like, when you don't, when you don't have one, you know, that you fall into growing up, I think I'm, I'm incredibly skeptical of pretty much any tribe. Uh, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's been mm-hmm. a real journey because it's like, we have our projections from, you know, what we think we're supposed to do, whether that's the media or, you know, our, our immediate social scene through work or whatever of how, of where we're supposed to go. And then like you try it and it's like, Oh, but this isn't where my archetype fits. I think it's like, yeah, it's so important to kind of study and critique and analyze your archetypes to find the most authentic place for you. Um, and I think they're, yeah, they're, I've definitely experienced several lifetimes in New York. Um, yeah. I, like I, I went to the, the new school, um, and that was, um, if I were going to go again, I would do it differently, but it was probably the only college that I could, um, go to and, you know, survive just because it was so unstructured. Mm-hmm. Um, and they gave me a great scholarship, but yeah, then I don't even know where I'm going with this. <laughs> no, I um, I mean, I think it all really comes together so beautifully in the song and in the music video for Alone, which that's when I was like, okay, this bitch has Sagittarius in her chart because she's literally just like in boots and go-go shorts, like dancing alone in the streets of New York. And like, I, it so encapsulates your spirit, which is like, you're always going to be out there. And like before quarantine, you were hosting, I know you were hosting a show at rock bar and a show at nowhere. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you were performing a lot and it did feel like before core, you were like 
trying to be as prolific as possible. And, and it seemed like a lot of your way of pushing yourself was paying off. Yeah. I think, um, it's, yeah, the work in nightlife was really cool. I had a, yeah, the show at rock bar. I, um, was DJing certain nights there. And it's weird when you're, when you're a musical artist in nightlife, when like, I have a certain number of, you know, of numbers to do. So it's like, it's not like I can go up and like, well, I could, but I'm not, I'm not a drag queen. So I I can't like, I don't go up and lip sync. I I don't have a whole roster where I can be like, what do the kids want to hear tonight? You know? It's like, I have like my album and that's what I perform. And I'm like, how do I keep making, you know, how do I make fresh content and be out on the scene and stuff? And so that's something that I've, I've been, you know, struggling with working with. Um, But yeah, no, I had, I had a monthly show at rock bar before um, lockdown and my monthly DJ party at nowhere, which was honestly the coolest thing ever. It was called body language. And I just like played anything that fit with Janet Jackson. That's the way love goes. Um, and all you know, body language. And it was just like a sexy lounge. It was literally everything that I wanted in nightlife, but couldn't find. Um, so chic. And I love Nowhere so much. Yeah. Nowhere is one of the last kind of romantic. Ro- ro- I say romantic. I mean, cruisy, romantic. It's one of the last places that feels spontaneous. I'll say that. Absolutely. And I think it actually, I, in articulating kind of who I am as an artist and like what my gender is and everything, Mm. I really identify with nowhere because it's the kind of place where while I love all the words and I, and we need them for, for political use I very much consider myself to be choose your own adventure. And that is exactly what nowhere is. It's like anybody can feel comfortable there. And also everyone has something to explore and find about themselves there. God, choose your own adventure is such, I assume that will be a song slash album in the future. If it's already in the works, you don't have to say so, but like, Fuck, that is just like, I can see that album. I can see that video. I can see that tour. Yeah, well, it's funny. I was thinking about it because like my first album, especially, of course, it's called The Price of Fantasy. And Mm -hmm. in writing it, the content was very much like, okay, how can I make, what, what, who am I in the romantic and sexual sphere? how do people engage with me? And it was like, you know, I'm visibly queer and visibly femme, um, which affects the day to day. And all of these men who, you know, want access to me can't be seen in public with me. And it's like, it's all of this, all those politics and stuff. And so the new album that I'm working on, I'm going into the studio next month. I'm so excited. Yes. Okay. I'm so happy. It's like me taking charge of that experience and being like, okay, well, those things are still true and that's still authentic to me, but 
how do I make that work for me? You know, what is, mm. how do I not get shortchanged in these encounters? You know? Um, what a reclamation. Absolutely. It's absolutely a reclamation of. And your Saturn return starts in December, right? My Saturn. Okay. I don't know how I got so lucky. I have a one month Saturn return. Okay. So my, my Saturn is an Aquarius. So technically like we're on the way, but like, you know how you can calculate it and it like gives you the, like the breakdown of month by month. Girl. Mine is like <laughs> February. <laughs> You know, you say that now. I know all the girls say that. They say, oh no, mine's mine's just going to be a dip in the pond. I know. No, no, okay. I'm going to get dragged for filth. Just you wait, because let me tell you, it's when they bombed Hiroshima, there was radiation for years. Okay. Ooh. So I'm not saying I want you to suffer. I'm just saying like. It's part, it comes with the territory. <laughs> don't take any long trips. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No. And I, I've already got hot, had a few like hot button trigger points through it already. So like, <laughs> I can feel that it's coming. Um, but it's exciting that around, it sounds like around the time of recording and, and making this album, you'll be going through, I don't mean to, you know, mire us in the astrological stuff. I, I just mean to say, oh, I love it. It, if this album has this sense of reclamation, like there's no better time than now. Absolutely. And I think, I personally consider Saturn return to be actual adulthood. Um, yes, I agree. I think that before Saturn return, it's like you can indulge in being a victim as long as you want. But yeah. after Saturn return, like people didn't care before and they really don't care now. <laughs> Absolutely. Listen, Rihanna made anti during her Saturn I mean, return. Honey, there that is talk about before and after. Absolutely. There is like, the cosmos before anti and everything after. Totally. And she's like, you know what? I'm like, I said what I have to say and I'm over it. <laughs> I know. And I don't owe you anything. Right. And I want to go like become a billionaire. Right. I love that so much for her. Um, <laughs> and date Saudi princess. I know. Right. I mean, <laughs> you could do much worse. Yeah. No. Yeah. I would love that for you actually. Yeah. Um, who knows? Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. So I, I want to, I'm really excited to hear about the album. And I really loved what you said earlier about how some people, cause this is something I've been going through too, which is like, yes, there is merit to saying, I'm going to write a thousand words today, every day. And that is how you show up. Yeah. What I've been learning about my own creative process is I have to show up every day, but showing up is more about like, I just need to make space for like me to be an 11 year old every day. Absolutely. And then the writing, whatever the writing will handle itself. The writing, that's not the hard part. And I loved what you said about how for you, it's just like, you're kind of 
being open to dreaming. And I'd love to hear about like the creative process, even going into this album or just generally like what your creative process looks like. Yeah. I'm like, I'm really good at, um, at being, making myself busy so that I don't get anything done. Um, I will overstructure my life so that I don't have to, you know, face the vulnerabilities, but then every once in a while I'm like, Oh wait, don't forget, don't forget. And so probably right, right around quarantine, I kind of got serious, like, okay, well, there really is no better time than now to start seriously thinking about what you're going to do. So, um, for me, I, I think dreaming and napping is half of my creative process. Um, walking everywhere. Um, if, if you see me walking and you say hi and I don't respond, it's not that I didn't, I didn't hear you. She's not with us. I am not in the building. Um, and she is on the astral plane. Yeah, it's and, not personal. and also if you want to say hi, I'll totally be friendly. <laughs> but um yeah, no, it, it's uh it's and then what I'll also I have a couple of like really, really close friends that I'm really lucky to have. And when we talk about, you know, everything, um, you know, the world, our our grievances, men, sometimes all of the above at once. Um, then like a turn of phrase will come out and I'm like, Oh, there we go. That's that. Mm. Um, what's funny is that the, for me, the, the more introspective, um, songs, which doesn't necessarily mean like sad or slow songs, they always come from like a divine turn of phrase. And then if there's something like, fun, which I always have to include something fun if I'm making like, if I'm writing, that is actually more measure work for me where I'm like, well, we have to add like something to this that's like lightens the mood. And then that's when I'll be more like thousand words a day kind of thing. Um, But like the heart of the album always comes from dreaming. Mm. And it's like the only way to do it. And so then like, there will be 5 million voice memos on my phone. Um, and then, but mostly I actually, I will voice memo stuff, but then another part of me is like, if it's really good, I probably am going to remember it because it's that catchy. So, um, so there is stuff that I probably will revisit one day, like in my voice memos, but I sing something to myself over and over again. And if I remember it the next day and I still care about it, then I'm like, okay, this is it. This is one of the ones. Um, I love that. I mean, it's, I love what you said. I think napping is essential. Um, And dreaming is pretty major. Um, And also I've been having these crazy encounters um, and visions in these kind of half conscious states where I'm like, I'm not really asleep. I'm kind of lying there. And Things like downloads will just come straight through. Yeah. And it's crazy because it is, and this is something I really am struggling with. Like, by any capitalist standard, if you were to like inspect me, you would look at me and be like, this is humiliating. This is like a slob. He's watching 
like Batman with Michael Keaton. What is he doing? But really, like for me, I'm actually like going, I'm working on multiple levels and like I'm engaging my 12th house Neptune and like. Right. You're going into the mines. I'm go Exactly. And then I come out and I can just like fire. And that is something that can't really be like rushed mm-hmm. or. And I guess this is something I want to ask you, like sister to sister, like with everything and with like this choosing, not choosing, but being called to this path, like I feel I don't have a timeline and I am like very frustrated and scared by that. It's also very liberating, but I don't know like when my work will be ready, complete, etc. I don't know when my work will like hit whatever that means. And I'm just curious, like if you experience any of that uncertainty and how how you do. Well, I saw your, I saw your show at Duplex, your exquisite show, by the way, it was like, I know I was, I was honestly blown away. And I'm like, God bless you. I really don't, I really don't blow smoke up anyone's ass. (laughs) I thought it was really like, I knew it was going to be good because I know you and I love you, but I, I was like, you went into the, I saw it and I, I was like, he went into the mines. He went into the mines. And I was that means a lot. It's, it was exquisite. So I, I know that you are, that you write shows. And I know that you have been a journalist. You're a journalist. You have a podcast. But what are you specifically working on? This year I'm writing my fantasy novel. Mm my like fag world fantasy novel. And it is really similar where it's like, uh, you know, like I don't really know what's coming out today. I mean, I know I'm going to show up, Mm -hmm. but, and I assume it's probably the same where, you know, maybe with writing an album where you're like, you can't really say how long it'll take you to write an album. Can you? I think once I have, um, once I have the, kind of the core truth of the album, then I can tell that it's going to be, that it's, that it's probably within a year. Amazing. But it can take, it took me me like probably like three years to make, well, I like, I was in the studio for six months to make my first album. Wow. Um, And I had half the songs written before I went in and then wrote the other like six while I was in the studio. So, but now I, um, I have probably four songs written and I have one cover I think that I want to put on the album. Um, And so, but I have, I know what the emotional truth of the album is. So I think I can, I don't, well, don't quote me, but I, hopefully it'll be out in a year. (laughs) The emotional truth that is like, I I kind of just got chills because I, I just feel like that's a, I think that like to me ties everything up with pop, which is like, I don't know. Sometimes I watch like media or I engage with media that's like really straight. And I'm not even saying like, because there's a lot of media that is considered queer that's made by straight people, but it's like really straight in that it's like this kind of straight male thing. And sometimes I'm like, 
okay, is someone going to like fucking get to the thing, like get to the, the truth, like get to the reason why we're all here. Right. And I think I'm sure you've had this in New York where you'll see like a show that everyone's talking about and you'll be, I, I don't know, maybe this is just me, but I'll just be like, okay, what was that about? You oh know? And can I call someone out? Please. I have never seen a worse show than Dear Evan Hansen. Okay. Girl, I gotta, I gotta agree with you. <laughs> he's um, an incel, first I, of all. He's an incel. And I, okay, continue. Yeah. I saw that show. I was, okay. And first of all, I'm surrounded by, it's like the spring awakening of this generation where all the high school queers are like, oh my God, Dear Evan Hansen. God bless you. And if you're listening and it's your favorite, I'm really sorry. And we love Taylor Trench, fellow Taurus Taylor Trench. We celebrate him. We love, love, love that cute little punum. And also if, if it is your favorite, never let anybody's criticism take it away from you. I, when people are like, don't yuck my yum. I'm like, well, your yum should be strong enough to handle my yuck. I'm sorry. Thank you. And yeah, yeah, we are. It's okay. Like no (laughs) one's coming for you. You're okay. Right. It's not about like, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, Dear Evan Hansen, I was the only person not crying in the theater. And I was like, am I a sociopath? I'm like, did I just see the same thing as everyone else? Because I'm like, this guy is like really abusive and cruel. And like, everybody's just like, okay with it. And like applauding it and crying about him. I'm like, I don't get it. I do not get it. I had that with, um, I mean, I don't know why this is coming to my head. This is so unremarkable, but Guardians of the Galaxy where I was like, because people lost their minds for that movie. And I was like, it's not getting to it. Yeah. Like, and I really like, if you put on Batman Mask of the Phantasm, I will cry like on cue. Mm -hmm. There are scenes where I will just lose it because I, they're really like cutting to something real. And I think like that is always especially now more than ever i just think like the world is just we've all been through so much this year and like i don't really need to watch something like ironic or quote-unquote self-aware or like uh, metatextual i actually just want someone to like either get on a stage or record a song or write a superhero story that is like fucking getting to it already right. you know mm-hmm. yeah where is um where is the emotional slash mythological truth in this that's like mm. where where are we yeah, that, yeah that's and like that is and when i say mythology i think that includes everything regardless of whether it's a superhero fantasy thing or not like everything exactly every kind of you know every kind of art every kind of content is deeply entrenched in the archetypes and mythology of the climate. Uh, mm. And it's, it is, it's depressing when it's like, there's no, like there's nothing new under the sun, but there's always a new perspective. Um, so it's like, where, where's the thing? Where's the thing? We have to bring up, of course, I mean, this is the Taurus read of the century, oh. of, of the millennium, but <laughs> when Grace Jones met Lady Gaga, you know what she said. <laughs> which is, 
I don't need, do you need, do you want to say it or should I say, say it? it? I didn't see a soul there. Yeah. And that is just like, you know, I love Lady Gaga, but that is like, I don't really know how you recover from that. <laughs> I think that the the interesting thing with Lady Gaga, because I, I really loved her when she first came out. Um, actually. So again, a weird, like I saw the origin story kind of moment. I remember she was doing a promo concert for T-Mobile and she was opening, for, she was opening for Kelly Clarkson. Okay. So T-Mobile was giving away free tickets. I got free tickets to go. I saw Gaga's fame ball tour, the week poker face hit number one. Okay? <laughs> so, and, it, and still it's one of the best. It was like, it was an amazing yeah. performance. And it was like, yeah, yeah. and back then it was like, it was wonderful because back then she was, the art was that she was a shell. That was the beauty of it. It was, yeah. she was like, I am, yeah, I am just going to be the idea of a pop star. That was her brand was to be the idea of a pop star. And she did it so well. And then, yeah. And she was also like, and I am good to be doing that. It is not bad to be the idea of a pop star. And that was yeah. like mind blowing. That was, that was. And like you said, that was the archetype that was needed. That was the art. It was so important. It was revolutionary. And then it was like, she just like completely abandoned it. She totally abandoned ship. And like, she was like, actually I am more than just the shell of a pop star. And I'm like, but like, and she's like, and I can do all these things too. And I'm like, well, we knew you could do those. It was just like, like that wasn't the issue. <laughs> yeah. But, but she kind of, she threw away the emotional truth of what she had in the beginning. Mm. Was like, or that was my, that's my relationship with her. Mm. But like, obviously she's undeniably talented and yeah. That's such a, and you know, I've recently like, I don't want to say rediscovered cause I always love her. There's something about Kylie Minogue now more than ever mm-hmm. that just hits. It's just hitting me. It's hitting me because when she's sweet, when she's affectionate, when she's like dreaming of love and like and joy, yeah, you really feel it. Like it really, you can feel her smiling and you can feel her glowing. And that's in the stupidest of her songs. Mm-hmm. But it does come from this source. Like there's this sun inside of her that she can shine on us, you know? I think she is, um, yeah, she is very much like, I think that she isn't huge in the U.S. because America hates women and most of our pop stars are very like, are very aggressive in their sexuality in a way that I love, but isn't a universal expression of femininity and and that you can't tear Kylie down. Yeah, exactly. Um, and like she, her, she has such a mastery of the different archetypes that she performs. Like she know if she wants to be cute, she does cute and you get cute. If she wants to be sexy, she knows how to do sexy. She can be yeah. mature. She can be like, she can do editorial. She can do, she can do everything and she never, ever, colors outside of the lines but it's also yeah. still forward thinking it's it's 
yeah, I, yeah. There's, another, yeah. there's just so many things I could say about Kylie Minogue. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So can I ask like, well, first of all, you know, this podcast, we give everyone an archetypal title and I wanted to ask what archetypes you identify with because you are like kind of way ahead of me on this matter. Huh. Um, Cause your archetypes have been very like tarot, right? Yes. I am a tarot mushroom vision, superhero queen. Yeah, me too. Love it. Um, I think it's weird because I actually, I, I think, um, yeah, there's something. Hmm. Sorry. I don't mean to put you on the spot. I just, yeah. I mean, well, it's even, a lot. And I'm like, I, I actually have done this exercise where you like, you identify your 12 archetypes. Girl, Caroline Miss. I my know. Queen, I know. My queen. Like I would take a bullet for her. I want to get that training that she offers so badly. Um, you would take a bullet from her. She would take it out and then she would do a chakra healing. Right. <laughs> and then she'd be like, why were you so dumb to do that? <laughs> I know. I love her tough love so much. I don't know. Oh, she is brutal. I don't, right. I don't want someone to be fake nice to me. I'm like, if you have something to say, say it. Um, <laughs> if it's, well, if it's, if it's healing, if it's helpful, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But yeah, so <laughs> I guess for archetypes, I'm like, there is like a hierophant feeling. There is like, but also I'm Taurus. There's because the, the Taurus Libra rising is so specific. I think when I wrote fantasy, my one of the astrologers that I really love, um, Stephanie Azaria, she considers Libra to be a mirror, and mm. I think that is. And she also um, connects Libra with the goddess Sedna instead of Venus, which I think makes a lot of sense. Sedna is also an I believe in asteroid. Uh, mm. And so the story of Sedna um, is she was, um, oh my God, I, I don't want to be, I'm just going, one second, I'm just going to Google what culture she comes from because I don't want to be dumb. We celebrate that here. I mean, so she is from, um, I actually don't know what the, appropriate so she's i don't know if inuit is an appropriate term and i apologize if it is not um but she is a goddess from that part of canada from the mm. cultures of that region and her story is um there's many different tellings of course because it's a goddess um but essentially she was a princess who um, or a beautiful young woman who was hungry and communicated her needs to her father. And because she advocated for herself and her needs, he threw her into the ocean off of the boat they were on. And she held onto the boat and he cut her fingers off and she fell into the ocean and her fingers became whales and seals and different things that were in the ocean. And... I think it's very Libra and Libra will always fall on the sword for themselves to make the other person comfortable. Um, but it's kind of the Libra 
rite of passage to stand firm in their needs and advocate for what they know is right and what is honest because they have better vision of the truth than probably any other sign mm-hmm. at their most empowered, I think. Um, and that's also why people don't trust Libras because if they aren't empowered, they may, they probably aren't being honest with you because they're trying to, they're doing what they think is going to cause the least amount of waves. Even if it's not. Are you kidding? I'm Libra moon. My whole life has been like fucking people pleasing survival mode. Jesus. Right. And I'm like, I'm, that's very I'm liberalizing my brother's Libra moon. I feel it, feel it hard. Um, uh, you know, that story of Sedna, which is very beautiful, I have to say, I thought about Janet Jackson because I was like, oh, this culture like chopped her fingers off and pushed her into the ocean. And even her tiniest like fingernail grew into whales, which is to say like so much of dance, music, uh, all all like cultural expression. Like she was the one, you know, MC Hammer like, took those dance moves from her because she was the one who discovered them in Harlem. Like she, the smallest Janet Jackson drop in the ocean becomes this, this life. So Mm -hmm. I kind of love that metaphor for you and for her. Yeah. I think it's, um, yeah, it's, yeah. Janet fucking Jackson. Um, an icon. I, I think, let me, Wait, let me go back to what was I saying? I was saying about... Yeah, sorry. So you were saying about uh, Sedna. Yeah, so that's... Um, not, and not about Libras, yeah, and how you're a mirror. Yeah, I'm Taurus Libra rising, Libra as the mirror. And so when I was writing fantasy, it was very much being aware of who I I was and meeting what the perception of the people who... Uh, and it was, it was very much about me trying to understand how I met an audience so um and in that i am very androgynous people see different things when they see me um you know it's like and i'm like i'm not who am i I, i'm like i don't think i'm i don't think you're wrong whatever you see i'm like it's probably less about me than it is about you and you're not wrong Uh, choose your own adventure Choose your own adventure right like make it work as long as like as long as my boundaries are aren't hurt you know do your thing baby Mm. um and so the song fantasy is very much about holding space for that freedom because i think it um it kind of liberates me from my tendency to try and control how everything is perceived and it also liberates people to express themselves versus trying to follow what they think the rules are when the rules may not exist in the way they know them to be. Um, So I don't know what the archetype for that is. It's like, I don't, well, I don't know how to say it in one in a phrase. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have to think on that too. That's really, that's really interesting. And I think like that point of view is so good for an artist because like, yeah, Rihanna and Beyonce are not gonna do. They don't really indulge questions about their music. Of uh, what were you, what did you mean when you did this song? 
they don't really want to look back and they don't want to like they don't want to literalize things they want people to make their own meaning out of their music and like i think that's that's just so much better than kind of what's become the norm in our culture which is this like hyper analytical sense and i love that you're you're going on this ride and you're you're asking us you know you're going on a fantasy ride sierra and we can come along with you you know yeah i yeah i right i think it's self-expression it's the yeah and like your interpretation of the art i think is part of the creative process like Mm. it's part of the artist creative process in a way it's like it's just the extension that's where the the relationship is um yeah so i have to i have to i will get back to you i'm now i have a i have a job to do we all kind of have a lot to think about after this interview. I have to tell you, I think I probably talked a lot, but this perhaps for that reason, but this is one of like, I've n- I haven't enjoyed an interview like this. This is, I, I don't know. I just feel like I just got so, I, I just downloaded a lot from you. So thank you so much. Oh, really? Thank you. Really? Like this was kind of taking my breath away and I'd love to know how people can follow you. Yes. So. Um, I am on Instagram at Dexter Driscoll. Um, I am on Twitter at Dex for breakfast and I am, I have decided that I'm soon to be starting an OnlyFans. I know. (laughs) And it's going to, it'll probably be like a little soft core. I don't know. I I'm, I'm still debating how, cause again, I'm like, it's again, the share thing where I'm like, it's not that I'm hiding anything, you know? Yeah. Um, I am I can so see you doing like an Angie Dickinson centerfold kind of dreamy furs lingerie. Yeah. I, I think I'm trying to indulge that, you know, that choose your own adventure thing where I will have different adventures and different fantasies and you can see and take what you like, you know? Um, and suggestions and collaborations are always welcome. You know, what house is your Neptune Uranus in? You know what? I seventh, fifth house. I can look that up like right now. What, what house is your Capricorn? Just tell me what house is your Capricorn. Okay, so all of my houses are the opposite of what their sign is. So my at fourth. Oh, okay, interesting. Oh, yeah. So very come into my bedroom. Um, I love that. Mm, true. So. Uh, your album, your first album is on Spotify. Yeah. You have a music video on YouTube. People should Venmo you. And um, uh, we will be following. I'm, I'm just really, I feel really fortunate that I got to speak to you at this exact moment. And it's something I'm, I know that like, I'll be very, I'll be showing off a lot later on. Um, so I'm really grateful that we had this. So thank you. I am so grateful that you had me, David Odyssey. Thank you so much. That was the Dreamweaver, Dexter Driscoll. Thank you for listening to The Luminaries, which is made with love in New York City. Consulting producer is Carly Hugendijk. Creative director is Greg Kozatek, and music by Henry Kopersky. I hope you can share, rate, subscribe, etc. And I will see you next week. Maybe on Tuesday. Who knows? Love you. Bye-bye.